As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. The Steelmen have returned. Our long wait is over. Steelers beat Tom Brady. Made him frustrated. Steelers beat the Super Bowl champs of a few years ago. The all-star team that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Steelers did so with Mitch Trubisky. I think we can pretty much label this as an open and shut case when it comes to the podcast today. I've given you everything you need to know. Steel men are back. They've returned to prominence and glory, and the season is saved. Steelers beat the Buccaneers. One of the more shocking wins of the Mike Tomlin era, given the fact that the Steelers were coming off their worst defeat in the history of the franchise. Excuse me, there's just some gear uh, falling about. In the back of my car, as I'm running errands here, I was in the desert, the literal desert, Terlingua, Texas, for the past few days, and we got a a car filled with gear at the moment, so forgive me there. Uh, What I was saying is the Steelers played really poorly against the Bills, being handed a 35-point loss, which is the worst loss since 1989, and in addition to that, they're going to play Tom Brady who has beat them, I think, 48 times in a row. And they were doing so with just Terrell Edmonds from the starting secondary because the next eight players in the secondary, basically, were injured and not playing. No Minka Fitzpatrick, no TJ Watt, obviously, is looking really bad. But the Steelers, in somewhat of a classic Mike Tomlin, good for at least one or two crazy underdog win her year fashion. They pulled it off and they won with the cast of nobodies. And now we are left with the issue of trying to figure out how we feel about this win. That's kind of the theme of the podcast this year in general. How do we judge the Steelers? We're not judging them for a Super Bowl this year. Are we just judging them? And from the standpoint of how quickly can that Super Bowl can how quickly can it come? Can it come with this core? Can it come with this quarterback? So on and so forth. What are we going to do with this? Because obviously this is a weird one. Because with the low of losing to the Jets, we're 4-2 now, by the way, and then getting plastered in the most embarrassing loss in decades by the Bills, who are clearly the NFL's best team, it just seemed like the Steelers were headed towards a top-five pick. And there is an element of that that is very exciting especially considering the, the fact that the Steelers covered 
isn't completely bare like the Jets or the Jaguars or the Lions have been when they've received top five picks in the past few years. The Steelers actually have quite a quite a few young, good pieces on the team. So if you, you get a top five pick with that situation, it's actually very encouraging. I mean, look, you got to get a top five pick to get the, the Joe Burrows of the world, right? So I think we're all having dreams of pairing Will Anderson, the sort of Miles Garrett-esque prospect from Alabama. And by that, mean, by that, I mean a pretty much slam dunk, home run, edge rusher, number one overall pick kind of guy. And imagine pairing that guy with TJ Watt and what that would immediately do for your team day one, given the, uh, given the importance of edge rushers. So yeah, we're all excited. Okay, maybe we can get in for a top five pick. But then again, we don't like losing. We don't like watching that. And we definitely don't like watching the Steelers get embarrassed the way they've been embarrassed in the past you know, five weeks. And you could argue the past few years with how they've looked like possibly the most flaccid team that ever existed. And when you look over this game against the Buccaneers, it wasn't that different. But there's something to be said about pulling these games out of the hat. So we, we're sort of conflicted. Do we want the Steelers to get a top pick? But then that also brings up the question, what does that do to the team? Does that amount of losing tear apart the fiber of a team? I believe it does. So it's a tough needle to thread. I don't know if you really want that top pick because it's going to create not only a lot of turnover in the roster and potentially the coaching staff, and I know we all want to have the easy herk-jerk Switch the quarterback, switch the coach, you switch the entire franchise. I, I know that that's what people want, but you can look around and that almost never happens, right? It doesn't really work that way. There are institutional issues with the Steelers roster, right? But getting a top five pick could result in tremendous shakeup, which is not always a good thing. Look at the teams who are generally in the top five. They generally stay there. Uh, so there could be consequences to that. And so we got to figure out how do we feel about this, this Bucks win, which sounds odd to question whether we should enjoy a win or not. But as spoiled Steelers fans, the standard is the standard, as they say. And now I'm hearing other teams use that phrase, which is interesting. But the standard is Super Bowls. We want, we want muscular teams. We want teams that are cool. And fun to watch, like the Killer Bees, or better yet, the Troy Palmolo era, the Super Bowl winning teams. We haven't had that in quite a while. So if you have to lose a little bit in the interim to shoot back up to the top of the mountaintop, instead of dwelling in the mediocrity of the world of the Vikings and the Cowboys and the eight and eight, perpetually eight and eight teams of the NFL, that's not a crazy thing to think about. So I think this game is very interesting from that standpoint. So we'll look at it. Um, but I am leaning towards, as we sit here today, especially looking at how the Dolphins have sort of fallen apart recently. And oh, all of a sudden, they might be beatable, depending on how many players the Steelers get back off the injury report. When I look at all of that, it's tough to want the Steelers to lose. Just look at the discord that was occurring in the locker room already. 
there was a report. I think it was Jerry Dulac. I'm sorry if I'm cre- miscrediting that. And it was another dude. But uh, I believe the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette reported that Deontay Johnson had a blow-up at halftime of the Jets game on Mitch Trubisky because he wouldn't throw him the ball. I think the article also stated <laughs> Deontay Johnson had this blow-up despite already having a, a pass go through his hands for an interception and not getting his toe down in the back of the end zone on that catch. So that's a good point by them. Apparently Mitch Trubisky stood his ground, which is good for Mitch. That would be the first time he's ever done that in his career until this Buccaneers game. And uh, then Kenny Pickett went in. So you already see the frustration of the players. So I guess that's my, my prelude before we actually get into what happened against the Buccaneers. We got to talk about Kenny getting knocked out and how Mitch played and what that means going forward. We got to talk about what it means for Chase Claypool to have pretty much the game of his career. And we have to discuss what a great valiant effort it was by the defensive coaching staff and the replacement players. The Steelers playing the replacements on defense and how they were able to hold that Tampa Bay team down. And, I mean, that's incredibly impressive on its own right. And so we got to talk about all those things. Then we also got to talk about a little bit of an elephant in the room, which is, are the Buccaneers good? I'm just going to tell you right now, they're not good. They should have lost to the Falcons last week. But that all plays a factor. And we know that the Steelers aren't world beaters, so we'll take the wins where we can get them. But regardless, very interesting game for the Steelers. And there's a little sign of light of them crawling out of the basement at this point. And they are super injured, so you got to think they're only going to get better. All right, let's start with the offense. If you look at this game, if you look at the passing charts, of course, which are the favorite graphic to use for Steelers fans, and I do not think they could be overused. I think it's the most damning thing about the Steelers playbook with all the little dinky five-yard passes outside of the numbers and the gaping chasm of a black hole in the center of the field where the quarterbacks do not throw. Uh, like we're going to talk about that, but that's basically what the offense looked like. However, four of Mitch Trubisky's nine completions did go to the middle of the field over 10 yards. And you saw what happened. So I want to, I want to talk about that with Mitch, but I will say just watching this game back, it doesn't look different. I, I think that the Steelers are never going to change this strategy. They are going to think, just keep working. We're getting a little better every week. Matt Canada's offense is coming along, and we're just going to keep doing our thing. Look, we just beat the Buccaneers. So that was my instant reaction after the game was just a little frustration at, oh, great. Now we're going to get a use that confirmation bias of, like, what we're doing is working. We win these meaningless games and, and never get any better. But uh, it's worked. You know, it gives them ammo to not change, whereas – I think the dramatic embarrassments will push them to a little bit more of a change like a firing of a Matt Canada because those passing charts are inexcusable and they haven't changed whatsoever. Right? They don't try to target that area after the first drive. So I don't think the game is that different. You know, the line, they're, they're holding up valiantly, much better than we thought they would in preseason, but they're not opening holes whatsoever. Najee Harris just got a metal plate out of his shoe, which was not known by us or by anybody, I guess. Uh, until this week when he announced that he that was kind of the final measure in his recovery from the Liz Frank injury. I believe it was Liz Frank, right? It was like a foot injury. And so he should look much better after that came out. It, he didn't. I love Najee. Still have a lot of hope for Najee, given the fact that this offensive line is playing okay, but they're definitely not good. They're constantly letting people through the holes, and they're soldiering. You know, Mason Cole 
He's been playing hurt. It is what it is. But Najee's not breaking tackles in the backfield like a first-round running back should. You know, my, the thing I would always say about Le'Veon Bell is he never, ever gets tackled by the first player. You're never going to see him go down with one guy. And I'm just seeing that a little too often from Najee. And by the way, that was not Najee last year. He was great at never get, getting tackled by the first guy. So hopefully that doesn't prove. But if we're just looking at the offense right now, it all looks generally the same, right? They had a nice first drive with Kenny. And then his average, I believe, went from seven and a half yards per throw to four and a half. And a lot of that's a a result of the plays being called. So I don't think the offense changed very much. And to me, that's a negative. Now, we're subjected to to having to watch Mitch Trubisky play again. And that's another reason why initially after the game, I was very sad. Because I would rather watch a piece of elephant crap frying to death on a grill for three hours straight than watch Mitch Trubisky play football again. And I'm sorry, that just came out. I didn't mean to bury him, but I can't do it anymore, you guys. It's brutal. He played well. He had that game that I'm a backup. My career as a starter is basically ending in front of my eyes. And Oh, my goodness, I have one more chance. Let me go in there and sling it, a la Nick Foles. And, oh, my gosh, look what happens when you actually try to throw the ball down the damn field. You don't play so scared all the time. It works out. Now, there is not a molecule in my body that believes he will keep up that play style based on six years of evidence here. But, and it was frustrating to watch because you just say, like, we've been saying this the whole time, man. This is how quarterbacks are supposed to play. So I, I'm not even giving him credit for it. I know we're giving – I think as a human being, a human being, like an interest story, I love it because the guy is a really good dude. And it's nice to watch somebody recover from adversity this way. That is very tough to lose your starting job and still have to come to work every day and stay locked in and then be ready when you got to go into a game. That is really cool, but – Absolutely not am I buying that as, as any sign of, oh, maybe Mitch is – we know what Mitch is and we've known what he's been the entire time. So I'd be shocked if there was a con- quarterback controversy. And if there is, I'm done. I'm going to follow the Chiefs for a few years and I'm going to monitor the Steelers until they fix their evil ways. Okay? I'm joking. But it, it can't happen. And I'd be shocked if they do go back to Mitch. But good job. He – uh he had a nice game, definitely made some big plays scrambling outside the pocket. But I'll say the difference in the game offensively was just Chase Claypool having the best game of his life and making these con- uh, contested catches. I guess they weren't really uh, overly contested. It wasn't like he was grappling that often in the air. But he made catches that he doesn't usually make when there's somebody right on him or when he's got to make a back shoulder on the sideline. and. He did a good job with that, and Mitch had a couple extra throws down the middle. So I think that's the difference. Do I think that's sustainable? Also, based on you know two and a half years of Chase Claypool, no, I don't think that's the guy he is. I'm a fan of Chase Claypool, and I feel really bad for him getting phased out this year. And while I know he's a frustrating player, he is a good player. And he's just not getting a chance to be utilized here. So I felt great for him getting that touchdown, which was the best throw of Mitch's career. Like, Hey, he's going to come open. He's going to be in between two people. That's the NFL. Darren Orlovsky uh, pointed it out in a Twitter post. 
Look at Mitch Trubisky's body language on that throw. He put everything he had into that, and that's how you should play quarterback. So I have no hope that that will be, oh, maybe a lot of snap and click in him. I just don't think that that happens very often, but it was nice to see an example of good quarterback in that way. So I don't think much had changed. I do think Tampa Bay is horrific. I mean, they should they have fallen apart. Not only did they lose, obviously, Gronk and A.B., but – Godwin's been hurt on and off all year. He didn't play in the offseason. You know, Tom Brady obviously going through the personal issues and not being at training camp. That is affecting them. Todd Bowles randomly missed uh, practice last week. Brady went to a wedding, going through this divorce. They lost three of their top five starting linemen. That is just way too much, especially for a guy like Tom Brady, who's still a freaking killer from the pocket. But he is extremely susceptible to pass rush more than almost anybody else because he's 50 freaking years old. So... I just think that that's way, those are way too many things for them to overcome. They should have lost to the Falcons last week. The Falcons are feisty, but they suck. We all know that Grady Jarrett roughing the passer was complete bull crap. So I don't think that the Steelers beat a good team. Um, and I, I'm not trying to let that take away from the Steelers win because they need to beat bad teams right now. They're, they're, they weren't beating anybody at a certain point. But I do want to put it in perspective that they didn't beat the Bucks from two years ago. There are some issues there. Uh, also heavily evidenced by the fact – here's another reason why they won the game. The Buccaneers basically thought they were in a timeout on the explosive pass play to Connor Hayward. Levante David, borderline Hall of Fame type of linebacker, was standing in the middle of the field with his hands in a tee asking for a timeout as Hayward was running past him. And it was a good job by Mitch to get the ball off because Vita Vea – was trying to run off the field and Mitch pulled an Aaron Rodgers and tried to get a free play and he did and he made the most of it, but that's not replicable on a consistent basis. Like, so what I'm saying is they're not going to get that splash pass play every week. They probably won't get another one all year, maybe one all year, you know? So I don't think that the Steelers looked much better against the Bucks, but I do think that it's admirable to look at the effort, and it's very encouraging to see that they've stayed together as a team because I know that that's hokey sort of high school coach-sounding stuff, but it's a big deal. And like I said, they have a lot of good players. I think Highsmith leads the league in sacks with like six and a half right now. You don't even have T.J. Watt back. There are some great pieces in place, but I'm just a little nervous that they're not changing their process. So I guess that's kind of my full synopsis is that after sleeping on the win – I think it's a good win, man. I, I just think the Pittsburgh Steelers need to be – they can never be a top-five pick team. I know that got us Terry Bradshaw way back when. But since then, the Steelers haven't had to do that. And for those reasons, I think that that's a good win. But for my projection of what the team's going to look like, I didn't see that many differences. I did like all the games they played on the defensive line with the secondary being comprised of basically exclusively replacement players. That's awesome. But they've had some good defensive plans throughout the year. I know that they have issues there and some of it's personnel and poor drafting and a lack of prioritization with the front seven kind of players, but they, they do scheme well. I mean, that first game against the Bengals – that was unbelievable. Uh, they're just getting screwed over by having such an anemic offense. I, I, I'm not putting all the, the, the blame on defensive strategy. That's been pretty decent. Yeah, there are 
major lapses. You know, Alex Kazora shows a, a post where the Steelers basically just didn't put any defensive lineman on the left side. And the, the, and the man, I'm so close to saying the Patriots. It just always feels that way with Tom Brady. The Buccaneers just ran it right through the gaping hole there. But overall, that was a good job. Um, defensively, it was a great fight by the team, but we've seen too much of this, hey, great fight by the team since the Duck Hodges year where they were on their way to the playoffs and then bottom out against a terrible Jets team. The Jets are just the, the litmus test, and it is funny. We can say that as uh, secondary Jets fans with Cousin P. Bush, so I do root for them, but the, the reality is the time of those losses, those are not good losses. Um. I just I don't think that the process has gotten much better, and I'm bummed that we're not going to get to see Kenny Pickett next week. But I'll say this is a slight positive that the Steelers are still a little bit locked in, and it probably is better if they can scrounge together a few wins here and there. Um, although you can make the compelling argument that it's better to get Will Anderson, and then you have one bad year and a ton of good ones. Not that it's that simple. I'll plug in guys in at the top, but yes, generally top five guys are going to be better. <laughs> the percentages are higher. It's not a guarantee, but it is higher. So interesting game by them. You feel great for Mitch. You feel great for Claypool. Let's see anybody else. You know, Boz breaking more records at Heinz Field with these fifty-plus yard field goals in the wind. He bonked one in there. That was great. He's the man. Um, the Deontay blow-up, that's an interesting thing. There were a lot of articles on the Steelers' poor drafting over the last 10 years this week. I think those are very interesting to look at. We'll definitely take a look at them. But right now, Steelers are in an interesting position. If they can string another win together, that'd be great. They're not, they're not going to beat the Eagles unless a miracle happens. And if they beat the Eagles, then all bets are off. But that, that's highly unlikely. They just can't get embarrassed. I think it's Dolphins next week, right? They have a chance there for sure. But depending on how many people come back. I mean, yeah, how many games can you win without any of your starting secondary? Um, but the, when you get to the Eagles, you really do want to measure it in terms of, hey, we're not getting blown out like we got blown out against the Bills. And that is a legitimate thing to look at. It's loser talk, sure, but not really, because this is just where the Steelers are in their trajectory of team growth. So always nice to beat Tom Brady. Sucks that it only happens at the very, very end of his career. It's like the Browns beating Ben at the end. It's like, get it. You didn't beat Ben. You beat the shell of Ben. So we beat a shell of Tom Brady. I'll still take it. Uh, I don't know what else. Kind of an express episode there. Team culture is a big deal. I guess that's what we'll end with. And we want Will Anderson, blah, 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 blah. Team culture is a big deal. By the way, there's going to be some quarterbacks taken in the top five too. So even if you're not the number one pick, you still might get uh, somebody very good landing to you. So anyways, follow us on Twitter at Steelers Outpost at gmail at steelers outpost at gmail.com apologies for the quick episode today but i just wanted to get something out and talk about an interesting game and we'll be here next week go steelers okay bye-bye